Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ with my good friend down there, uh, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, you're muted on the intro. He muted himself on the intro. Himself wow. on the intro. Do we need to run this back? No, um, I can't yeah. do that. That I'm you were flexing uh... and really excited about something. <laughs> and I just the good folks on youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast got a treat there. because um, I have no idea what Matt was doing there. So you got to start from the oh, beginning, yeah. Matt. I I was just simply commenting that I'm repping my UNG colors mm. tonight on the pod. Uh, still undefeated in college football history. But um yeah, Maybe man. People do it's forget good, that. It's good to be back. How how you been? Busy. What a week. This is uh this has been a busy week, but uh not too bad. And it's a bye weekend this weekend for Tennessee, so that'll be nice to kind of let the guys get healthy and get ready for the next two weeks with AM and Alabama. Uh one at home, one and on the We got road. some playoff baseball this weekend, man. It's like, true. These uh these playoff games, a bunch of two and duns. 
uh, in these wild card series, but uh, I'm excited for it. The energy around playoff baseball is just like it, it reminds you how uh, how good of a sport baseball is. It's such a long season, you know. They got the dog days of summer, but once these the playoff the atmosphere, it's different. I forget like Georgia fans don't get the because y'all y'all don't have the everything school situation down there so you kind of go into hibernation during baseball season at the college level so for me like i'm are you trying I'm con- to tell me that knoxville tennessee is not braves country sir mm. how dare you knoxville tennessee if they could choose a volunteer college world series or braves world series they're taking the braves no they're all braves fans mm. come on there's a lot of cubs i mean the smokies are right here and the smokies are the cubs double a affiliate Whatever. You guys enjoy the, enjoy being pretty good at everything. You know, we'll enjoy winning championships down here in the state of Georgia. Wow. I mean, we're just making Omaha. The team of the Southeast, man. Come on. The Braves, the Braves are what unite the SEC. All these, all these big time rivalries and, you know, just hate each other on fall Saturdays. The Braves, the Braves bring us all together. Hey, I'm not, you're inventing these arguments, sir. I wasn't going against the Braves or anything. I am merely saying, that I have been uh, prepped for playoff baseball, that I, uh, getting being an Everything School alumni, you get to enjoy playoff baseball multiple times each year hey, and you, high intensity baseball. You can, enjoy, you can enjoy that all you want, but it still, it doesn't compare to, to Ronald Acuna. The, the Tennessee Volunteers don't have a Matt Olson on their squad. They don't have a I mean, Spencer They did have a Drew Gilbert last year. And you're telling me he's better than Matt Olson? Is that what you want to tell me? I would say Drew Gilbert, there were some similarities, uh, personality-wise, not even close to the same person, but Drew Gilbert, clutch moments, hitting dingers, lefty, masher, fan favorite. Yeah, but yeah, I'm excited for the Braves on Saturday. Hopefully it works out. We were talking about it pre-show. Hopefully we get that 4.30 first pitch. And then it can work out if that Braves at seven o'clock. But it is unfortunate because I'm I wish we could just avoid Saturdays in general for Braves games. But um having a having to compete with AM Alabama, that 330 slot, and then also watching the Braves, you know, that's, hey, this is what we gotta do when we when you uh, get a big time uh, championship squad. That's right. Uh Matt Green, our week five. Is it week five already? Are we in week five? No, or is we're in week, week six. Week yeah. six, that's right. Week six. I said that out loud and I was like, no, it's week six, man. We are in week six. The college football season nearly halfway complete because the season just goes fast. I mean, you look at the high school level and most are on fall break here and you look at it and you're like, oh, man, there's like three or four games left in the regular season for high school. Um, and it's pretty wild uh, to see how quickly football goes. But we say it every year. Make sure to sit down, smell the leaves, drink some drink some coffee and uh, enjoy it as the fall leaves change and everything else, because it will be gone uh, before you know it. So enjoy this stretch run here over the next two months, because uh, hold it tight and it will be gone before you know it. Matt Green. Um, it's always depressing when people are like, uh, cause you know, we're always counting down. We're like, Oh, 46 days away till college football season. Yeah. And then it's like, I remember someone saying like the week before the season started, it's like, like 100 days till the season's over or like 90 mm. days till the season's over like oh wow i don't want to i don't want to get that far ahead of myself yeah i agree um matt green before we get into our week six pick em, would you like to refresh the good folks how we are doing at this point uh in the college football season and uh where the standings currently sit going into week six here 
Yes, sir. So you are hold, currently holding a uh, one-game lead uh, overall and against the spread. So mm. on the season, you are forty-one and fourteen to my forty and fifteen, and against the spread, you are thirty-three twenty-one and one to my thirty-two twenty-two and one. So we're winning the people some money out here. And Zeus, don't forget about Zeus, six and one with his home dog of the week on the season. He's uh he's just killing it per usual, just winning the people money. I just don't think my gut tells me we're going to agree a lot this week, Matt Green. Not to bury the lead here in the show, but a lot of a lot of interesting lines this week and I just last week a lot of a lot of the better teams won, didn't have a lot of upsets this past week and I just my gut tells me that we're not going to see a lot this week either. We we have some big games coming up in the next few weeks, but I think this week is one of those where mm, I don't know if we're going to see some big upsets. Yeah, it felt like a lot of dangerous matchups too last week with ranked teams mm. going on the road, like you know, and no one really like Auburn definitely gave it the best shot to uh, mm. to shock the college football world, but no one really. Am I forgetting somebody? Nobody like there was no. I mean, I guess Ole Miss they they were the the field rushing game, but like, what, what was this? What were they? Were they favored? They weren't favored. LSU was like a two point favorite. Yeah. I think. I think three. Yeah. 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 So it's like it was it was right there. Oh, anytime Ole Miss beats LSU, it's like it's gonna feel like an upset. Mm. It's like a South Carolina beating Florida or something in, in 2021, you know? It's like okay, I know this is a big deal to you guys, but that team wasn't very good. But hey, not not to not to dead rain on their parade. Ole Miss big time win uh for sure at home. Matt Green, where are we going first? Let's uh let's start on Friday night. You know I love a uh, big time weekday game. We got Kansas State going on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a 12 and a half point home dog in this one. And you know how I feel about a weekday road game uh, for a favored team. How do you see this one going? I'm concerned where you think this is going because that means we might be on opposite ends here. Uh Matt Green I don't understand why Kansas State's not ranked. Uh, they've been a very good team. They're one of the 25 best teams in the country uh, this year. I don't really understand um, with the Mizzou loss because Mizzou's undefeated right now, and that Mizzou loss doesn't look nearly as bad as it looked like in the moment uh, a few weeks back. They're a good team. You know team. what They're... I think is working against them is the bye week. Hmm. They've already had the bye week, so it's like when there's some change in the rankings, like they weren't playing last week. But, yeah, they definitely feel like they definitely feel like a top 25 team. Also, Han, before we get into that, have you heard all the LSU hatred this week for being like in the top 25? Like, mm-hmm. can't put three and two teams in the top 25. They've lost 40% of their games. That's a stat I've heard. I don't know how many people say, how can you be a top 25 team when you've lost 40% of your games? Like, these teams don't play the same schedules. Like, we all know this. Like, LSU is a top 25 team. I'm sorry. Like, if 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 Kansas State had played Florida State and Ole Miss to this point, they could easily have two losses. A lot of teams could have two losses. So I don't know. That's just that's one little grind my gears, I guess. I've just heard so many people talking about LSU this week and not being ranked. Like the Josh Pate, it's a I'll steal it for a quote from Josh Pate. It's like you're you're not what your record says you are in college football. It's just it's not that simple. Like it's so many different strengths of schedules and everything. So yeah, that was my whole thing. I'll, let, I'll give, give back to you. Let's talk Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Well, I think the gripe there is you're projecting LSU as a top 25 team, that they have top five talent, that they 
if they do play a easier schedule, they're clearly in the top 25. I think that's more of the annoyance from fans who are complaining about LSU still being in the top 25 to me, um, which I think actually is a fair comparison. We've talked about on this show over the years is that like, what's the, you play the games for a reason. The games have to matter and the results have to matter. So penalizing them also, it doesn't matter. Like who cares if LSU, you take them out of the top 25 this week, they can easily earn their way back in very soon. They're LSU. They'll find a way back. If they're really good, guess what? They'll win a couple in a row and then suddenly they're six and two and they're in the top 10 again. So I think part of the issue there is like, Hey, when they actually do lose a couple games early, when some of these teams do actually fumble um, and lose games on their actual schedule, maybe hit them a little bit because guess what it doesn't matter like why are you holding up like i understand the argument that their schedule is different but two losses is two losses and the games have to matter the results i should say have to matter at some point so they've lost two games and there are some better teams that have only lost one game and they might be worse on paper and we wouldn't pick them to beat lsu but like at some point the results have to matter a little bit. And I think that's more of the gripe there. It's like, what are we playing the game for? If like LSU can be like four and three and still uh top twenty five team. You know, once they're four and three, they're not. You know, it's like it's still early enough that I feel like the preseason rankings still matter. It's like Florida State, what, 10, 15 people? Or no, that's that's Texas. But a handful of people think Florida State is the number one team in the country. So it's like it's just the way we do the polls is always just just blows my mind. Like mm. if the number twenty loses number one by one touchdown they're out of the top 25 it's like if anything this team is probably better than we thought they were but we gotta we gotta jump them out so i don't know it's just it's definitely an inexact science but it's like that's what we always do in college football it's like it's we're projecting and we know how good of lsu's players are and how many projected nfl players they have on the roster it's like like louisville and fresno state are ranked right now like yeah they're both undefeated but does one person in the world think those teams are better than LSU? Like they're, they're not, they're not ranked higher, but it's like, that's, that's the teams that are barely sneaking in the top 25. It's Maryland, Kansas state being held out. But A&M, I guess is one that I'm kind of surprised isn't ranked right now, but uh, I don't know. It's, like you said, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter five weeks into the season. No. Um, back to Kansas State though, and they should be ranked. That was a nice way of saying Kansas State. I got your back. You should be ranked in LSU. <laughs> should not. Oklahoma State is 102nd in total offense this year. Uh, the Mike Gundy offense is really broken. Alan Bowman's been the QB a little bit. They played some musical chairs there. It's kind of baffling to see Oklahoma State in this level of disarray. It's like you don't know if you're watching Oklahoma State or Iowa State, and Iowa State also just beat the Cowboys. Um. Not great all across the board. Um, they've lost to Iowa State and South Alabama in succession. South Alabama was 33-7 to at home. That's just an all-time bad loss. Um, not even close against a G5 opponent. Um, then you look at the rest of the schedule. Matt Green, it could get really ugly for um, Oklahoma State. I, this looks like 3-9 and nine to me. And then you just, I don't know what Gundy's future looks like in Stillwater. But the Wildcats are averaging uh, 40 points a game. And here's the thing. Oklahoma State hasn't scored 30 in a game in nearly a full year, Matt Green. This is not the Zach Robinson, Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I don't see a path that they compete in this game. I don't see a path that this game's close. Give me Kansas State. Give me Kansas State 45, Oklahoma State 20. 
Have you learned nothing, sir? <laughs> Have you learned nothing of the weekday road game? It is the hardest thing to do in college football. I um I just I can't explain what happened to Oklahoma State. What were they? Who was it that they lost to? Was it, was it Texas or someone they lost or Kansas State maybe uh, last year? They were ranked like tenth, I want to say, like six and one or something to start the year last year, and just was it six and one? Yeah, six and one to start the year last year, and just fell off a cliff. And they're like not the same program anymore. The weekday road game is literally the only avenue I see that it's just like something weird happens. It's hard to go on the road. I don't know. The the crowds, you know, hype on a Friday night. But with that said, I just can't pick Oklahoma State to win. So I'm going to pick Oklahoma State to cover because, you know, two touchdowns, that might be a little much. Maybe they can keep it close. Like a, what did I write down? 27, like a 27-20 or something like that. And um, so give me Kansas State to win, but Oklahoma State to cover. But yeah, Man, Oklahoma State's just, just a real bad team. They're real bad. But it's also, Kansas State's coming off a bye. I think that's the thing that gets them out of the Friday look ahead. The they Friday are both coming week. off a bye, though. Oh, yeah. So there is, I don't know. that You're right, though, in terms of like they are prepared. It's not a short week or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's and their Oklahoma State is just not a good team. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if they get they pull a South Alabama on them as well. But uh, let's keep it moving uh, to our game of the week, mm. the Red River Shootout, sir. This is a uh, always one of the best games of the year. It feels like Oklahoma comes in. Both these teams are undefeated. Texas is a six and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see it going, sir? Definitely the most difficult to pick this week because, I mean, Texas won 49 nothing last year. It wasn't close. OU's defense was an absolute train wreck all year long. OU has dominated uh, to this point in, in the year. I think my question to you that you can answer in a second is, is this a sneaky, more important win for Texas or Oklahoma uh, this particular year? But... I have questions like is OU's defense for real. Now they're playing bigger competition. Does Brent Venables have this group ready to go? Um, Texas has played just so many backup quarterbacks in a row. They played uh, Bean last year instead of uh, last week instead of Daniel. Still Drub, Kansas. That's not really their fault that Texas keeps getting backup quarterbacks in succession. But that's just kind of what has happened here. Uh, Baylor, Wyoming as well. But Dylan Gabriel is another big factor to me because I just, I don't think he's played this level of defense to this point. And what does he look like? Cause we've seen the low of lows of Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma, but he's been rolling this season. Like he has 728 yards, seven total touchdowns um, through five games. He's got 75% completing 75% of his passes, 1500 yards, 15 TDs. He's running the ball really well, but I don't know if all that continues. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Texas. My gut says no. And my gut says that they're going to be hitting the mouth in a different way. And I'm curious to see how the Sooners respond uh, to Texas in this one. When Texas has just kind of, um, they have CFP aspirations. They could be the best team in the country. And this is a big final statement game for them outside of uh, Kansas State. If you win this, if you're Texas, I mean, you're really staring at 12-0 and walking in the Big 12 title game and feeling really good about your CFP chances. But if you lose this one, then, hey, you can't drop a Kansas State game. You can't lose in the Big 12 title game. You can't have that blimp, that second blemish and still expect to make the CFP. So I think it's a gigantic game for the Horns. 
in this one. And I think Oklahoma still year two. They're kind of ahead of schedule. They're definitely better than they were a year ago, but they're 53rd in past events. So I think my I think Quinn Ewers is going to feast on this Oklahoma secondary. I think this is going to be a big Quinn Ewers game. I think this is going to be a oh Dylan Gabriel just isn't the guy, and Jackson Arnold's eventually going to be the guy, and we'll. I think that's when we really see what Oklahoma can be uh, in the Venables era. So my gut says this is closer than uh, last year, but I still think Texas ultimately wins and covers. So give me Texas. Give me Texas 42, Oklahoma 38. You said 42, 38. Yeah, I think Oklahoma. Covers. Oh, so you said Oklahoma does cover. Okay. Mm. Um. See, I could definitely see it going that way. And I think what it comes down to is if this game, because I mean, we don't know a lot about this Will Venables, Oklahoma team, or I say Will Venables, Brent Venables, Will Venables, he played for the Padres. Mm. Um, um, You look at this Brent Venables team and it, it feels like, like kind of what you were saying in the coach and the most pressure. It kind of feels like, like the dynamic of Josh Heupel versus Billy Napier, like the guy in year two, only it's not nearly as negative at, at Oklahoma than it was Florida. Like this guy is off to the, the good year, the good start in year two. But it's like this is this is uh, definitely Hypel's not Hypel in that scenario. This is definitely Sarkeesian's opportunity to okay, we're better than Oklahoma right now. We have to win this and be on our way to winning the Big Twelve and going to the playoff. And because this is our year to do it, Oklahoma, they're still rebuilding. It's it's year two and it's nice, but Texas has to win this game. Like I think Sarkeesian. That's because Sarkeesian is that coach that's under a different kind of pressure than other guys. It's not hot seat pressure, but he is under that pressure to like, okay, is this the year you become a national title contender? And they look like maybe the best team in college football right now. So I just think depending on how this game is played, this Oklahoma defense is improved, but how improved are they? If, if they're able to get Texas in this ground and pound slug fest, like I feel like that advantage goes to Texas because Jonathan Brooks is averaging over a hundred yards a game this year. Like, so it feels like Texas does that better. They also have a solid defensive line of their own, but also if this thing becomes a track meet, like that's definitely advantage Texas. So with Xavier worthy, AD Mitchell, like I just don't think there's any way um, that Oklahoma can, can slow them down. So I think it'll be a close game. Like it'll be an entertaining back and forth game, but I think, Oklahoma or Texas, I think ultimately pulls away. So I'm going to take Texas to win and cover. Give me like a, like a 38, 28 type of game. Um, I think Texas takes care of business. All right, there you go. Where are we going next, Matt Green? All right. Now to our three thirty CBS game, sir. Alabama crimson tide. Go on the road at the Texas A&M. Aggies are a home dog. Two and a half points in this one. How do you see this game going, sir? Last three times they've met, AM's been unranked and Alabama has been ranked. So I thought that was interesting that Texas AM never is ranked coming into this game for whatever reason. Alabama hasn't been unranked since 2007 or something. Right. Well, they might be in jeopardy if they drop this one and uh, with Tennessee staring down the barrel in two weeks. So we'll see if that's in play. But um, Bama, I think is at a crossroads here. I think we finally will know exactly what Alabama is this year in this game. I think this is just the most important game of the weekend uh, in college football because I think this sets the stage for the back half of the SEC where Bama it's wins an elimination this game. game. 
it is an elimination game. And I think if Bama wins this game, you're right. The CFP is right there. You're staring at, you're probably going to run the gauntlet. You get LSU at home. You're going to be p- playing Georgia in the SEC title game. And you missed it last year. You get them there. And then you have, that's your destiny. You beat Georgia. You're in the college football playoff once again, and maybe the favorite uh, to win the college football playoff once again. On the flip side, you drop this one. We haven't seen Nick Saban lose two games before November in a very long time at the University of Alabama. Then you're like, oh, LSU's on the table. Tennessee's on the table. Like Auburn at Auburn's on the table. Like you're suddenly thinking eight and four. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to sit, just stay at nine and three. It's kind of interesting that depending on which way this game goes, will tell us if this is going to be the worst season uh, for Nick Saban in a very, very long time in Alabama, or they got through all their stuff. Jalen Miller has got command of this offense. The offensive line's a lot better. They handle Anim's friend a lot better. And they are just a, they're more equipped to what people thought the murder ball machine was going to be. But they're still ranked 55 in rushing offense. They're 104th in passing offense. They're, 51st in scoring like it's not like there we have a small sample this is five games Matt Green I mean A&M they're 20th against the run ninth against the pass 33rd in scoring like I don't I don't know I I think that they're not gonna be able to run on Bama A&M that is I think they're gonna have to pass their way to a victory here Zach Calzada did it at home two years ago I don't know I also think this is fascinating The home teams won the last two times in this matchup, but also the last two times this game has ended on the final play. Do you remember last year? A&M was right there um, to win this game uh, or to win this game a year ago. Like this was right there. This is the Milrow game. Yes. A year ago. And this came down to the final play. This game's going to be close again. This is going to be. Um, a bloodbath in the trenches. I, I'm curious to see what Milro does with this kind of defensive front in front of him because AM is loaded at that spot. All that being said, until it happens, until Nick Saban drops two games before November, I can't do it. I think the away team gets the victory for the first time in a little bit here. I think Alabama wins 31-30. It's going to be something weird, but I, I think Alabama wins, but AM covers. Okay, so the last three seasons, which I think is like kind of the start of the decline of Alabama, it's just of them being mortal again, just not murdering everybody they played. They've averaged 36.2 points at home, and they've averaged 36.1 points on the road um, Oh, against Power 5 competition. Uh, but the only difference at home, they're giving up 19.4. They're at 9-1 and one at home. On the road, they're giving up 27.1, and they're 7-3 and three on the road the last three hmm. seasons. So I just look at this. The, the part I disagree with you about is, like, I don't think this is, like, a necessarily a crossroads of Alabama's season that this tells you if they lose this game, like, now all these other losses are on the table. Like, I think all these other toss-up games are already on the table. I think there's a chance if they lose this game, A&M is just the best team in the SEC West this year. And Alabama could just be the second best team in the West. So I don't necessarily think that now the LSU or Tennessee is a toss-up game if they lose this one. I think I think those might be toss-up games anyway that Alabama's just – they can win all these games, but 
they might be able to lose them uh, as well. And that's not something we are kind of used to of uh, these just kind of maybe going back and forth. But I think this is kind of one of the games I talked about that a team that's good on both sides of the ball, like, and for one, A&M has scored in their, I think in every game, but specifically on their three games versus actual power five competition, they've scored on their first two possessions every single game this year. So I think that's, that's something that I'm really looking forward to because if they can get Alabama in a 14-0 hole, like in some of those have been field goals, a 10-0 hole, where like you're not just going to be able to run. at the And obviously a first quarter game, you're down 14 points. You can don't have to give up on the run or anything. But it's going to be, you know, that sense of urgency with the offense. And when you're starting to like, okay, we're going to have to pass the ball to get to keep up with, with A&M. These are the kind of games that I worry about Jalen Milrow. If they're able mm. to have a 0-0 game at the end of the first and – you know, just him, him be running zone reads and 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 going twelve of fifteen in this game for one hundred and fifty yards. It's like, but he has hundred yards rushing. It's like that's how Alabama can win. But with what Texas A and M has been so far, it's 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 tough to know what they are on the defensive side of the ball. Like they they obviously got torched by Miami, and there were some weird things that happened in the Miami game too, special teams touchdowns and, and stuff. But I think uh, with what I've seen from AM the last couple of weeks and what we've seen from Alabama, I I just I don't think Alabama's got the I don't think they had the guys in the secondary to to shut down these AM receivers for one. I think Max Johnson, they surprisingly don't really drop off with Max Johnson from from Connor Wiegman. There, there's a different style, but probably one of the more reliable backups in the entire SEC. Definitely one of the more experienced backups with Max Johnson. So I think I'm going to have to go with Texas A&M as my home dog of the week. I, I like Texas A&M winning this one like like 24 to 17 or something. I think this is going to be a game that Milrow struggles and, and more is put on his plate to actually throw the ball. And I don't think Alabama has the weapons to, to get into any kind of track meet with A&M. I think it's, they're going to have to run the ball. And I, and I think that's where A&M's, I think that's where AM can have some success. And yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Alabama can can win this game. So give me give me Texas AM to win outright, home dog of the week. Wow. No, I think there is a drop off. Connor Wegman was a really good quarterback, maybe one of the, if not the most talented quarterback this year in the SEC. It's a drop off. Now, like I'm picking AM to win this game if Wegman's healthy. Like that's part of it for me. Um Max Johnson's gonna do some crazy stuff in this one. I think Alabama's gonna make him do some crazy stuff. So I, I, I just I can't do it. I, I don't like it. I wanted to pick AM. I had them before the year winning the national title. Wegman going down. It's just not the same team. Like they're good. They're a really good team still. Nine and three, ten and two type good. But I don't think they they have the QB. He's he's well, just not even, the guy. And even last week, like at Mississippi State, it's like it ended up a pretty lopsided, you know, final score. But like. Alabama wasn't dominating that game. Like the offense was not just clicking. So I'm th- this atmosphere at, at Texas A&M is, is a whole nother beast in this cowbells at, at Mississippi state. Like you, you saw what they, what Zach Calzada could rise to uh, against a better Alabama team. That was a better Alabama team in 2021 and a worse Texas A&M team. And they were able to beat them. So I, uh, I think Bobby Petrino is going to have something dialed up for, for uh, this Alabama secondary. I think they're going to get the job done. All right. Where are we going next, Matt Green? 
All right, next, let's go to uh, LSU at old, at uh, Missouri. Uh, excuse me. Mizzou is a six-and-a-half-point home dog in this one. And uh, I try. did your boy try to tell you about Brady Cook this offseason? No one else wanted to hear it. I told you, hey, this Missouri guy, he he might be all right. Um, I wasn't very bullish on him, but I felt like I respected that he was just he's a he's a solid player. But uh, Missouri comes in this one five and zero. LSU obviously like we talked about three and two. Um, how do you see this one? How do you see this one going? Um, Mizzou. This is a big game for Mizzou. Um, six and a half. That's a lot of respect for LSU coming in there. Um, I think between Mizzou and Kentucky, I've talked about this in the show. I'm a bigger believer in Mizzou this year uh then kentucky uh we'll see how that ultimately plays out but uh they had 532 yards of offense uh last week against vanderbilt they had 300 um they only gave up 300 yards to vanderbilt and the vanderbilt offense a little bit peskier than you might think with seals or swan winning who's under center but uh that offense making some strides the defense has been weirdly really bad under clark lee this year but um missouri leads the nation in opponent adjusted pressure rate matt green like Tennessee gets to the quarterback, but Mizzou does too. And Mizzou is going to give Jalen Daniels problems. We know Jalen Daniels is not fearful of crazy contact uh, with defenders uh, in the sport. So he's probably going to get, take some bad shots in this one. Cause it seems like he just can't help himself. Is this the week he gets knocked out because he keeps taking crazy shots uh, running the ball because Jalen Daniels is one of the, I mean, Jalen Daniels is one of the best players with the ball in his hands. Then frame. He's going to get hit like Missouri is going to get home. They are going to get pressure on Jaden Daniels in this game. And I'm curious, like week to week, I'm just like, if he goes down, what does it ha- What happens? Is Nussmeyer going to be able to uh, keep this season afloat for uh, the Tigers? I also think you mentioned Brady Cook, um, him and Jaden Daniels. This is a top three quarterback matchup in the sport. So a lot of people are like, if you want to see the best of the best in terms of quarterback play in the conference, top three year, what? in at quarterback. They're, in the country? No, in the SEC. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, they're in the top three. They're it's Brady Cook, uh, Jane Daniels, and Spencer Rattler. That's been the top three quarterbacks to this point in the year. Um, although Spencer's uh, struggles uh, and oof, rough Super Bowl comments over the weekend, he he has to drop down a little bit. Um, but <laughs> hey, Super Bowls, we love them here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, they here are the quarterbacks I saw. Uh, this was on Twitter that I saw was interesting. FBS quarterbacks with 100 plus pass attempts and zero ints this year: Drew Aller, Brady Cook, Sam Hartman, Cam Ward. End of list. Brady Cook's going to keep take care of the ball. He's not going to beat himself and beat the and screw the Tigers. Luther Burden's been really really good and been unguardable. LSU, I don't think is going to have a really fun time with Mizzou here on the road. I think this is going to be close throughout. But I still have a hard time believing LSU loses back to back here at three losses before November. I think they get it done, but I think this might be a last second field goal or something for LSU. So give me LSU to win and Mizzou to cover something like I'm going to say this is really high scoring. I'm going to say LSU 48 Mizzou 45. Oh, wow. Um, that is not really how I see this game going, to be honest. I just, mm. I think <clears throat> as good as Missouri's been through these first few games, like that Vanderbilt game was like a, a pretty a close game in the fourth quarter, like a 10 point game in the fourth quarter, like beat Memphis by 
uh, a touchdown, like beat MTSU by four, like Kansas State. They needed a 60 yarder to beat them at the, at the end. So like obviously Kansas State's a, a good win, their best win of the season. But I just I don't I'm, I'm not really buying the Missouri hype. I think um, as much as I was trying to hype up Brady Cook, I think he's been solid this year. Luther Burden has been, you know, looking like the superstar. He was supposed to be coming out of high school. But they're not going to be able to stop this LSU offense. Like as much as like we want to talk about LSU, like I don't know, like they're they're going off the rails or something. It's like this team lost a what was the final score last week? Fifty five to forty nine a week ago. It's like that's a wild game at Ole Miss. Like this offense is not Ole Miss. Like I don't I don't think Missouri is going to be able to match that at all. Like I don't see Missouri keeping them under like forty points. So. I think it's like a, a 41, like, I don't know, 41, 27. Like, I think, I think LSU wins this one, like by multiple scores. Wow. Although I'll be LSU, surprised. Missouri did win uh, in the, during the pandemic uh, at, at Mizzou last time they, last time these two teams played. I also um, just wouldn't be surprised if Mizzou wins this game outright. Like, I'm just going to go and say it. I don't, I'm not going to put my name on it. But folks, don't be surprised if Mizzou actually just wins this game. I think Mizzou's just actually good. Kirby Moore's been a great OC hire for Eli Drinkwitz this offseason. Big hire for him, Kellen Moore's brother. It's working. Where are we going next, Matt Green? No, that's fair. It, it, they definitely could. I'm just not. I'm not buying them this early on. Like they're five and zero. Oh, it's a good start, good story, but um, we'll see. LSU's got, I think, a few more dudes. But let's All keep right. it moving. You ready to keep it moving? Yeah. Where are we going? Um, our primetime ESPN game. Keep it in the SEC. Kentucky Wildcats coming to Athens, Georgia. Fourteen and a half point. Home favorite, the Georgia Bulldogs in this one. Uh, what what is your? So let me let me let me preface it real quick. Georgia's won thirteen straight in this series. Kentucky has not scored more than twenty points since twenty sixteen against Georgia. How do you see this game going, Chase? I think Kirby belongs in prison. I think Kirby right? Smart belongs in prison. That's the only way we're going to be able to solve. This nonsense that's coming out each and every week. Macarine, I've been disgusted about some of the comments that have come out over over the years. The seven and five, the nobody believed in us. Now we've got everybody no in the SEC should be five. ranked. That was Nolan Smith, and he yeah. hadn't said no one ever said that. Here's what we're saying. Every SEC team should be ranked. What are we doing here? Yeah, I don't know what that is. What 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 are we doing? Not true. Just absolute fabrication of what's going on around you. Also, this game is not going to be good. This game is not going to be close. Kentucky blowing up Florida is not a big deal. Utah blew up Florida at home with a backup quarterback to open the year. Florida's not good. We would look at Florida very differently if they don't take care of business in the second quarter against Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't have a meltdown in the swamp. Everyone's looking at Florida through a different lens. They're a terrible road team. That's just how they've been under Billy Napier. Kentucky has kept it quote unquote close. Like last year was just a mess 
and Lexington, it was technically close, but I don't think the game was ever in doubt for Georgia. They're not close. They're just ugly. And that there's a big difference here with Kentucky and Georgia because Kentucky can only play a certain way. But we're now getting to the point where it's like, oh, this is the year. And I am like the part of like the whole this is this is going to be an intriguing game. No, it's not. This is not going to be an intriguing game at Green. I'm happy for you that you're getting a night game. I'm happy for you and Georgia fans that they're going to do this. Maybe you get some black uniforms. Probably not because I don't think uh, we don't do that. No. That being said, Devin Leary has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the SEC to this point. He hasn't had to do a lot, but we talked about it on last week's show. Um, the yards per attempt were super low. He didn't do anything worth noting against Florida. It was all Ray Davis on the ground. I don't think Ray Davis is going to be able to do that against Georgia. Devin Leary is going to have to attack Georgia through the air. He is going to have to push the ball vertically. He is going to have to be significantly more accurate than he has been to this point. He has not. Here's the bad combination. He hasn't been accurate. And Kentucky has the highest percentage of drops among power five teams. Barry and Brown's not even healthy. The receiving core doesn't look great. This is not going to work. Kentucky hasn't beaten them since what? 2019? 2009. Nine. 2009. Excuse me. That's yeah. 2009. I was like, when I saw it, 19. Yeah, no, that's wrong. Um, 2009. The last time this was amazing. I saw this on Twitter. The last time the sport has had a first-time national champion was uh, the last time sport uh, like who's lost as the number one team uh, at home in this capacity was like 1996 when Steve Spurrier was at Florida. An SEC team was number one in the country coming off uh, national championship season. It just doesn't really happen. Like Georgia's number one. They don't lose home games. What is like your this. hold on? What's your stat? You're saying uh, reigning national champion losing at home? Yes, uh, SEC team. It was. That hasn't that hasn't happened since '96. Are you sure about that? In the SEC. Okay. Oh, in the SEC. Okay. Yes. That's that's a that's a crazy number. Um, and it was Spurrier. So anyway, all that being said, I just don't think this game's close. I think Devin Leary implodes. I think Kentucky is bad in this game. It's one of those they've played nobody outside of the Florida game. They chalk up a lot of dubs early in the season, make it look a lot more interesting. No. I don't think this is going to be close. I think Carson Beck gets home. He grew a lot in the second half. I think they go to Brock Bowers a lot. I think Georgia torches Kentucky through the air. Florida wasn't able to do that. Graham Mertz completed a lot of passes. He just didn't push the ball down the field against this Kentucky secondary. I think Kentucky's not going to be able to push the ball downfield. I think their receivers are not good. They have a lot of problems there. You're not going to be able to run on Georgia. I think Georgia wins and covers easily. I'm going to say Georgia, say Georgia 45, Kentucky 14. In this one, Matt Green. I don't know if I see that sort of uh, offensive explosion. Um, I think that's what Georgia fans have been kind of waiting for. I think, um, and it feels like it almost feels like the Alabama thing. Like, oh, they're mad now. Now you're really gonna see. Oh, now, no, no, this week. Now you're really gonna see Georgia uh, what they're what they're made of. And you know, there's a chance maybe this team just isn't as good as 2021 and 2022. And this is how this team's going to win football games. And the defense has been good, not great. The offense has been good, not great. And I just, like, I do respect Kentucky, but from a, just from a, like, on a national scale, like, what Mark Stoops has done with Kentucky, like, they're they're night and day, the, how consistent of a program they are every year, like, kind of how, how far he's increased the, uh, 
how far he's raised the floor at Kentucky is just uh, insane. But from a Georgia perspective, like there's really no reason to think Kentucky can beat you. Like there's just at, at on the road at Kentucky, like some of those games have been kind of ugly and Kentucky's been close, but um, like you've really only seen like the bad teams uh, for Georgia play Kentucky close for the most part. Like, like, Kirby Smart's first year or like the Joe Cox season, you know, it's like, it's for the most part, Georgia has been the superior team in this, in this rival or whatever you want to call this series. But like, cause 2021 is one year that's talked about, like it was close. Cause like they won by like 17 and it's like Kentucky had like an 11 minute drive to score a touchdown with like 30 seconds left. It's like the game was never really close. So the last couple or the last couple of times I've gone to, to Lexington, um, Georgia's offense really hasn't hasn't done much, but I think in this one, I think Georgia is starting to find what they are offensively, and you know maybe it's just an average running game to keep teams all honest. But the passing game is really what where this team's strength is, and obviously Brock Bowers is the best player on this entire team, and you just got to feed this dude, and as he goes, the offense will go. So I just you look at what Auburn did to, to Georgia a week ago and how they were able to run the football on them. I just don't think Kentucky can create, kind of like recreate that same type of running attack. It's like just without the quarterback being involved, it's just, it's a completely different animal. And, and like you said, Devin Leary has low key been terrible this year. And like, this was supposed to be one of the sneaky games on Georgia's schedule coming in because Devin Leary could had the potential to be like the best quarterback in the SEC with what we've seen at different times in his career. And he has not been that so far. So I um I ultimately do do agree with you that I think Georgia will handle business because I don't think, like I said, Georgia, they haven't scored Kentucky hasn't scored more than 20 points on Georgia since 2016. So I think Georgia definitely gets to that 20 number. So I, I don't think there's much, you know, to worry about as far as losing the game. But as far as the spread goes, that could be close. I could see this being a, a two-touchdown game and Kentucky covering the spread, but I could also see, you know, Georgia putting up like a, a 31 to three type of thing and just and just locking this offense up. So I tend to think that Kentucky will be competitive for a couple quarters, especially if you see Georgia's offense start slow again, like it has in the first few games. But uh, I ultimately think they'll cover. Give me like a, a give me 30, 31 to 16. That's that's still covering, right? Oh, wow. This they is- held them to a couple field goals. And here's more of the stat on uh, the CFP home teams. So this is from Kentucky Sports Radio. Since the inception of the CFP playoff in 2014, number one team has never lost at home. Only four number one teams have fallen in the regular season in that time, and all of those games were on the road. Number 2021, uh, Texas A&M at Alabama, or beating Alabama at home. Notre Dame beat Clemson at home. Auburn beat Alabama at home and in 2017. And then Alabama beat Mississippi State at home in 2014. So it's never happened in the CFP era. Wait, you said Mississippi State? Yeah, Mississippi State was number one in 2014, remember? Oh, you're talking about, I thought you were talking about the reigning national champion. Well, that's the other part of it. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it just expands more. It's just very rare for guys to go down uh, at home in the in this era. So Yeah, just Kentucky is just has not been that big of a challenge for Georgia in recent years, so... No, they're a quality program, but yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you. I think a lot of people are overreacting to the uh to the Florida win and kind of what this and I mean there's reason to think like 
he ran all over Florida. Auburn ran all over Georgia. We can run all over Georgia too. Like, yeah, maybe. But I, I think, yeah, playing at home versus playing on the road, it's it's a whole different thing. But uh, yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll bust out the black jerseys, but I, I'm doubtful. But we'll see. It should be a good one. Ho- hopefully not too good, but hopefully we're experiencing a Braves win and a and a Georgia win on Saturday night. And let's uh, let's keep it moving, sir. What do we have with our next game? Maryland is at Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are a 20-point home favorite in this one. I feel like if it was on the road, you know, it might be a sneaky game. This might, Maryland offense has been really good uh, so far this year. But uh, how do you see this one game? This one going, sir? I mean, I agree. Last year we saw it. Like, this was a really close game late uh, a year ago, and you had that weird pick interception that Ohio State does <laughs> um, with the sack in the end zone that turned into a pick, remember? um that was just really weird that kind of changed the whole game uh last year but Talia Tungabiola has been exceptional this year uh the the OC change for them has been huge Mike Loxley's really got uh, a really good staff cooking here they're one game away from bowl eligibility and we're not even into the middle of October so shout out to the Terps for a great start to the year all that being said, this is my lock of the week in terms of covering. Maryland's covering tw- covering twenty and a half at Ohio State this weekend. Ohio State's made some strides; they get a big win at Notre Dame, but I just I don't think this is a dominant dominant Ohio State defense yet. I think they're really good. I don't think the combination of where they're at offensively, Marvin Harrison still banged up. He's going to play, it looks like, but he's banged up. I don't trust Ohio State to just blow out a really a top 25 team uh, in Maryland, even at home. I think this is going to be closer than people think. I think Ohio State obviously wins this game. But, you know, there's some positives about where Ohio State's headed. Their 2023 defense um, is one of their best uh, pass defense in metrics uh, since their 2019 team um, that was number one in passing yards allowed per game. So they're right there. The Ohio State passing defense is really good. It's part of the reason I like their matchup against uh, Penn State more than I like their matchup against Michigan uh, at the end of the year. But, I mean, Talia has been really good. He torched Indiana, who's been really bad, and they just fired their OC, Walt Bell, uh, this past week. Doesn't look good for Tim Allen and company. Tom Allen, excuse me. And he had 352 passing yards, six total TDs. He actually leads the Big Ten in passing yards and passing touchdowns. So he's been electric. We've focused so much on J.J. McCarthy Kyle McCord, Drew Aller, that you just forget that Talia has been exceptional uh, through five weeks at uh, at Maryland. So I think Maryland ultimately loses this game, but I do think they cover. So give me Mer, give me the Buckeyes. The let me get Buckeyes twenty eight, Maryland twenty. Yeah, I think I'm kind of seeing this game similar. I'm I'm not sure how good Ohio state is offensively yet. Like they've only played two games versus a power five competition. And both of those have been on the road. So like you've seen them put up 50 and 60 against, you know, Youngstown, or I guess they only put 35 against Youngstown state, but 63 against Western Kentucky. So like, I, I tend to think Ohio state, I am kind of leaning into that. I think this off this defense is really good. I think this could be one of the best defenses in college football this year but I'm not sure the offense is there, but they still have the weapons that like, they're always going to be dangerous. Um, but I'm with you. I, I like ultimately Ohio state wins this game, but I think Maryland keeps it close. So I'm thinking like 31, uh, 21, uh, Ohio state wins this one. 
But right, Maryland, we, like you said, Maryland covers. Where are we going next? Um, keeping this one moving. Uh, the Washington State Cougars going to the Rose Bowl at UCLA. UCLA is actually favored in this one three by three and a half points. Uh, how do you see this one going? First big win of the year for UCLA. This is where the magic stops for the Cougs, unfortunately. Um, I think they've had a great start to the year, obviously. But UCLA has been sneaky good in a lot of key areas. Ben Arbuckle, youngest OC in uh, the Power Five at 27 years old, doing a great job uh, for the Cougs. But the last time uh, UCLA and Washington State played, they <laughs> came back and won 67-63. Obviously, that was when Mike Leach was there. They had a 29-point uh, fourth quarter. Um, I think they were down like something crazy, 30-plus uh, in that game. But Arbuckle, man, like he has been electric at Washington State. And I think they've had a different OC each of the first three years with uh, Deckard um, taking over. But um, they're fifth in the nation in total offense, um, 532 yards a game. That's great. Uh, they pass really high, 405 yards. But here's the biggest part of this. I think Cam Ward, who's been electric, one he doesn't turn the ball over, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. He's in that group of 100-plus pass attempts and no picks. The problem is I think they're going to put up a lot of yards on UCLA, but I trust UCLA's defense not to break here. I think this UCLA defense is legit. Um, they have only allowed one touchdown in each of their first four games here. UCLA's defense is actually sneaky good. Their offense is built to run the ball and play ball control. They're right there with Utah, um, and we saw that go. That went. Dante Moore is obviously electric, and he has made big strides of late. I think they play their style, and I think Washington State's not able to put up a bunch of points on UCLA, and that's kind of how UCLA wants to play this year. So I think UCLA gets this win at home, 21-13 uh, UCLA. I think this is very low scoring, and I think uh, Washington State gets the most trouble they've had uh, all season uh, on offense. This is probably the game I struggled the most with, going just going back and forth, because I feel like there's something too, like, coming off a loss, coming back home, like first loss of the season, like let's reevaluate things. It's hard to ignore like 14 to seven last week at Utah. And like the seven came, what, like a minute left in the game? Like they, they, they barely scored the seven. But that was on the road. So they're coming home to Utah, Washington State. Like I was definitely doubting them going into last week versus Oregon State and they got that win. I think I'm just buying the Cam Ward hype, man. This guy's 13 touchdowns and no picks on the year. I think UCLA feels like that team, the Pac-12, that's going to be like right in the middle at, at the end of the season. That they're like, if we're going to have like three or four teams win like 10 games in this conference, like someone's got to be losing these games. And I feel like UCLA with a freshman quarterback, it is going to be better at home this week, but I think I'm buying uh, Washington State. Give me Washington State going on the road like 30 to 27. They get this one done. Okay. Where are we Lock going next? In. We've had some we've had some good disagreements so far. This will be uh this will be an interesting uh what this does to the standings. Um let's keep it moving down to the ACC. We got Syracuse Orange and the North Carolina Tar Heels in this one. North Carolina comes in as a eight point favorite at home. How do you see this one going, sir? I think this is like the classic one. If it's in the carrier dome, then I'm probably going Syracuse, but on the road at UNC, no chance. 
I'm going UNC at home to win and cover. Drake May's been great all year long, just kind of quiet. And UNC's just hanging around. UNC people have forgotten about. They beat uh, South Carolina to open the year. They struggle with App State. But they're just, I, they're going to be in the ACC title game. And I think they're going to give Florida State all they can handle in the ACC title game. And I would not be surprised if they could beat Florida State. They have the better quarterback. And they've been more complete all across the board. Um, I think <laughs> we can have a Jordan Travis conversation later. But North Carolina second in the country on third down conversions. I think that's going to be huge. Um, they're just, they're better in so many different ways. Like they're in the top 15 sacks and passing efficiency on defense, red zone defense, first down defense. Like they've improved. Like we've made a lot of Gene Chizik jokes over the years, but the defense is not elite, but it's also not a disaster that's been the last couple of years in the Mac Brown era. I think they're more balanced than we've seen in the last couple of years. I wish you had Trez Walker um, with Drake May in this group this year, but I think they keep rolling. I don't think this is where UNC goes down. I think they're on their way to 10 and 2, 11 and 1 type regular season. Um, so give me the Tar Heels to win and cover. Give me UNC, but I do think Syracuse's defense is legit. And I think they're going to give UNC some problems, but at home, give me UNC 35, Syracuse 20. Give me Syracuse 20. Yeah, I mean, this Syracuse defense has definitely improved. Like, but you look at like, this Clemson offense is nothing really to, you know, to be necessarily impressed by. Like I think North Carolina's offense is significantly more dangerous than Clemson's offense. And that, that team was able to, to beat Syracuse 31, 14 a week ago. So I, and that, that was also at home. So I, I just, I, I don't, I don't see this team going on the road. Like, like we said, like that pit at Pittsburgh, like that felt like a, you know, a dangerous spot for like kind of an unpredictable North Carolina team. But the fact they were able to take care of business in that one, I uh, I agree. I think this, I think they handle Syracuse pretty easily, like as easy as North Carolina can, because I feel like every game is interesting with them. But give me like North Carolina, yeah, 30, 34 to, to 21. Okay. So we agree on that one. Um, and the, excuse me, and North Carolina is the last of the Blue Bloods of basketball, uh, I think, to, to be standing mm. um, keeping it moving. This is a dangerous one. Notre Dame fighting Irish going on the road at Louisville and the Cardinals are a six and a half point home dog. How do you see this one going? Interesting. Um, this is sneaky important for Louisville because I mean, for Notre Dame, excuse me, they cannot look ahead to USC. Like that's right around the corner. You get that at home. Your season's still right in front of you. I think the CFP is still actually within reach. People have kind of penciled them out with the Ohio State loss. But I think they're going to hang around. They don't play in a conference title game. Like Notre Dame getting USC at home and the rest of like they can go into Clemson and win that game based on what we've seen there. So it makes it significantly harder to avoid that second loss. But I think they're going to be right there. Um, and their strength of schedule is actually going to be really strong. And that's the other part of it. It's like you look at the schedule at the end of the year, you're like, man, Notre Dame actually went through the woodshed here uh, to get to where uh, they are. So I think they're rolling with their tight ends. As we talked about in the recap show, uh, Audric Estime has been great um, on the backfield. I think they're going to be able to control Louisville more than Louisville's had uh, to this point. Jack Plummer's been sneaky great for Louisville. So him reuniting with Jeff Brown was huge. But Louisville's 34th in run defense in the country. And I think that's going to ultimately 
really hurt them um, in this one is that I think Notre Dame's going to be able to keep the ball, keep Louisville's offense off the field, kind of dominate possessions in that way. And look, I mean, the, the biggest thing for Notre Dame, this is the best offense they face to this point. Like uh, Louisville's 15th in passing offense uh, in the country right now. And I'm curious to see what Notre Dame does in the secondary because they haven't been tested in this way uh, to this year. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that goes. It's at Louisville. It'll be rocking, rocks environment, but I don't see Notre Dame losing here. So I think Louisville gets their first loss on the year with Notre Dame coming to town. But I think it's close. I think this is going to be a really close one. Maybe comes down to the wire again i think louisville covers so give me notre dame 34 louisville 31 this is one i kind of struggled with too it's just because it's such a weird position that this game's coming in like notre dame's you know coming off of ohio state and duke like two games just came down to the to the final snap basically and then they got usc next week they just got this at louisville just sandwiched right in the middle it feels like a dangerous like trap game, but I don't feel like it is a trap game because Louisville's kind of got some, some momentum coming to this game as well. But I feel like everyone was picking Louisville preseason to be like a, a dark horse team, but only because of the schedule, not because they actually thought Louisville was good. I um I'm kind of leaning more towards Louisville's not actually that good of a team, and I I like I don't are they as good as Duke like uh, with Riley Leonard assuming he comes back and is healthy, like I think Duke's a better team than Louisville. So, um, I just I don't I don't I think Sam Hartman gives Notre Dame just like a certain just like floor, and I think you know if with a more inexperienced quarterback, I think the the third game of this kind of four game like gauntlet they have here in the middle of the season might like be too much, but uh, obviously they didn't, they lost Ohio state in one of those games, but I think Sam Hartman allows this team to kind of just stay steady and, and perform to their ability. So give me Notre Dame to uh, win this one and cover not easy, like a, like a 24 17 type of game, but like this team put up 13 points Louisville against uh nc state a week ago and nc state does not look very good at all so it's different when you're at home or on the road versus at home but i like notre dame to uh to win and cover in this one so you said louisville to cover though right i did okay let me uh get that for our records um and let's keep it moving uh what's our next game here sir texas tech going on the road at baylor the, the two teams at the Big 12 wishes they could just kick out. They're just making the whole conference look bad, dropping games to FCS programs and G5 schools. But uh, how you see this one going? Baylor's a one-point uh, home, home dog or home favorite? Yeah, Baylor's a one-point home dog. This is my home dog of the week, Matt Green. Baylor's going to win this game outright. I think Texas Tech's kind of having the season from hell. Taylor Shook is gone for the year. I believe, and then Blake Shapin comes back in here, um, and he had a great uh, game against UCF, um, especially late. So I think Baylor maybe saved uh, Dave Miranda's job uh, last week, and Blake Shapin being back has actually been a really big uh, turnaround. Uh, obviously, people are going to remember the Timmy McLean crazy uh, fourth down conversion, but uh, Baylor still ended up winning this game. Um, he went 21-34, 293 TD, um, ran for one. I think Blake Shaben gets this group back on track. I think Baylor uh, takes care of business at home and wins outright. Give me Baylor 38, Texas Tech 31 in this one. 
Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Just going like Texas Tech is not a. They've definitely been underwhelming. Both these teams coming in at a, a two and three. I feel like when in doubt, I I gotta I gotta just side with the home team. Like at least Baylor's lost to some good teams. Other than Texas State, they've lost it. No disrespect. I don't know what Texas State's doing at their level. They could be uh, they could be the number one team in the country at FCS for all I know. Um, but they, like losing to Utah and Texas, like I'm not really gonna hold that against them. Like Texas Tech's over here, losing games to West Virginia. They did lose to Oregon as well, but um, at West Virginia, I guess I can't hate on that. We, we know how dangerous a place that is to play. But also, these West two Virginia teams, is sneaky good. That's true. Yeah, we got to put some respect on uh on your boy. Oh, Neil Brown. Does he get a, uh, an we were, extension? We were oh calling for his job for sure before the season started. But um, I don't know. They the the quarterback play has definitely been uh something to be desired uh, for both teams in this one. So I feel like when in doubt, I just gotta side with the home team. So give me give me Baylor to win this one um, as well. All right. And we we got one more. Yeah, we got one. We got more. one more. Fresno State going on the road at Wyoming. Wyoming is a five and a half point home dog in this one. Obviously, like we just talked about, they uh, they beat Texas Tech early on in the season. Uh, how do you see this one going? I didn't realize that how high above sea level um, War Memorial Stadium is, Matt Green. Would you like to guess how many feet above the sea level it is? What's what's a mile? Is it fifty two eighty? Is that what a mile is, or is it twenty five eighty? Fifty two eighty? I don't know. Um, I'm gonna say it's a uh, five thousand feet. Close seven thousand two hundred twenty feet above sea level. Wow, like it's tough to play <laughs> in Wyoming. We talk about Colorado and the elevation and what that does. Wash Wyoming may do it in a in a worse fashion here. I think this is a huge uh, home advantage with the. Uh, Fresno coming in here. Problem with Wyoming, they're two and six in their last eight games against Fresno State. Uh, they commit a lot of penalties. They're in the hundreds in uh, team penalties this year. Their offense isn't very good, um, but they play in the highest elevation in FBS college football. Matt Green, I don't know if you're gonna if Fresno State because this is kind of close and Wyoming beat a good Texas Tech team there to open the year. I think it's just something different. So when Wyoming sitting there at four and one, when they're pretty good, when they're solid. I think that's they're just gonna walk into a lot of home wins here. This advantage, man, I think it's sneaky huge. So give me Wyoming to get the upset and give Fresno State their first loss. Give me Wyoming twenty four, Fresno twenty one. I see it picking against uh, picking against the Bulldogs here. I um, I I'm, I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you on this one, sir. I like mm. uh, I like Fresno State. They're ranked. They got. They're carrying the Mountain West torch. Give me the Bulldogs. They're going undefeated this year. Okay. Or at least, at least this week. That's. I mean, six and zero. We got a long way to go, sir. Like putting that out there is uh, kind of wild. I mean, they're uh, five down, seven to go. They can. They can get it done. All right. Well, let's Where see. We... we got a uh, Fresno, Wyoming. We got some disagreements here, sir. This should be uh this should be an interesting week. This is gonna be fun. Uh, still some good games, some big ones, uh, especially OU Texas and Bama Texas A&M and uh, Braves playoffs. And then if uh, we'll we'll watch the second half. Hopefully, it's a close game with Kentucky Georgia when the wife and I get back from uh, 
from date night, I might be like, all right, let's just let's just see if they're making use of our time. But it's gonna be weird. Oh, no and, a, football. and a quick story. I mm. um I wrote this note. I forgot to say it while we, I figured who we were, we were even talking about was it the LSU Missouri game? Mm. Said someone taking crazy shots, and it reminded me of uh, this story from when I my me and my brother used to referee youth basketball. Mm-hmm. And this this coach at it was like the buzzer beater, right? Last two or three seconds. It's like when they're like still on the floor with the kids. Like this is probably like five, six U or something. Like it was very small kids. And this coach, he's like right up behind the kid dribbling. He's like, crazy shot time. It's crazy shot time. And because they're about to shoot it from half court. And it just, it was always the funniest thing to me ever. It's like crazy shot time because it's like, you know, they practice that, right? He's like, they're like, they were six years old, five years old practicing basketball and they're shooting from half court because this coach is like hey you gotta be prepared for anything crazy shot time you know that's what they called it in practice it's like hey you know what time it is we practice this crazy shot time uh just made me laugh but i thought of that while you were talking i wrote a note and i forgot to say something crazy shot time that's funny so i think it every time where someone's shooting a buzzer beer hey it's crazy shot time that's funny uh matt green always a pleasure and i'll talk to you in a couple days Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 